Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year for some of us. For others, it's a time where we're forced to put up with more of our family's crap than usual. And that friction can do serious damage to our Christmas spirit. That's what happens to Max after his cousins embarrass him, causing Max to tear up his letter to Santa and denounce Christmas. But someone else heard his plea. The dark counterpart to Santa Claus who descends on Max's neighborhood and wreaks Christmas-themed havoc on his family, forcing them to band together to fight for survival. But nobody ever escapes the wrath of the Christmas demon, Krampus. I'm Connor Zagari. I'm Julie Cervantes. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday and happy holidays, listeners. This is the 114th episode of the Filmgasm podcast and the first of our three Christmas-themed episodes for this month. I'm joined today by our newest co-host, Julie Cervantes, who has generously agreed to help me unravel the legend of Krampus. Thanks for being here today, Julie. Hey, guys. Merry Christmas. I'm excited. I, um, I haven't seen a movie like this before, and I've seen very few Christmas movies, only the the best ones that people recommend. Um, so this one was really fun. Yeah, this is a wild movie. <laughs> Not really your, you know, your family's Christmas movie. This is, a, this is a niche one. And I think that's what I like most about it. Before we get started, I do have three updates for you guys on the Rewind. Two for episode 20 on the Godfather trilogy and one for episode 97 on Hellraiser. First up, Writer-director Clive Barker has managed to win a copyright court case, granting the rights to the Hellraiser franchise back to him. Barker will regain U.S. rights to the film franchise beginning on December 19th, 2021. Ever since it was announced that film creators are eligible to regain their film rights from studios after a period of 35 years, more and more creators have been suing to get their movie franchises back under their control. And I say more power to them. I mean, I, I love that this is, an, this is a thing that people who created these stories are finally being able to have control over them again. Cause only Clive Barker made a good Hellraiser movie. I mean, there's one good one and like 15 terrible fucking movies, but Clive Barker while being kind of a sick, twisted, demented freak. He knows his story. So good for him. <laughs> Hellraiser is a tough one to recommend to people. I wouldn't, I'm not going to say you should watch it, but if you do watch it, brace yourself. <laughs> for what <laughs> or pretty pretty fucked up shit that's a that's a dark movie is Hellraiser, it, is it dark? extremely yes this was 1987 oh. <laughs> one of our this was episode 97 that we did on the show and i hadn't seen it since i was a kid and when i watched it i was like what what the fuck this is it's really hard to explain it's basically like snm demons from hell so yeah, not the kind of movie I want to tell people to watch. If there were levels like of horror, like it was a video game, this would be like near the top level of horror. Like watch it when you're ready, that kind of thing. Like you don't start a horror movie marathon with Hellraiser. <laughs> okay, so, okay, I'll, I'll prepare for that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fucked up. Next are two Godfather updates. First up, Army Hammer has been cast as producer Al Ruddy in Paramount Plus's upcoming miniseries on the making of The Godfather, currently titled The Offer. No word yet on who is playing Francis Ford Coppola, though there is a movie in the, in the making with this exact same premise, and Oscar Isaac is playing Coppola, and I believe Jake Gyllenhaal is playing Al Ruddy. But um, this, this seems interesting. Uh, it's a cool story about the, how The Godfather was made. I think the, it'll be a neat, neat movie, neat miniseries. Army Hammer is an awesome actor. Good choice, I think. Um, and finally, thanks to the release of the re-edit of The Godfather 3, Paramount has started talking about a possible fourth Godfather movie. But only if the right story emerges. And considering Michael Corleone's death at the end of the third movie, the fourth movie would, I assume, logically follow the life and legacy of new Corleone family Don Vincent Mancini, played by Andy Garcia in The Godfather 3. But that, you know, that's if this ever even happens, and I'm really hoping it doesn't. I don't think we need a fourth Godfather movie, and if they make it, it's going to be a shameless cash grab 
and it's probably going to suck. Uh, I mean, Godfather three was already that and it sucked. <laughs> so doing it again is just a bad idea. I have a question. Yeah. Um, so if you're a movie fan, is it like expected that you've seen this movie? Like you're like movie fans are expected to have known this movie. Like it's a classic, like, and you should watch it or. There is a certain, there's certain films that one should see and the godfather is one of those movies it's it's a phenomenal crime drama one of the greatest films ever made and a true masterpiece and still holds up the first one is my favorite the second one every like a lot of people really love i think it's good too and the godfather 3 is widely considered to be one of the biggest fuck-ups in movie history so (laughs) yeah everyone kind of hates the godfather 3 it's become kind of a joke like you know, don't go see the new Star Wars. It's the Godfather three of that series. That kind of, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, definitely watch the Godfather. If you have four hours, watch the Godfather two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you can skip Godfather three. <laughs> so can you go into the next movie without watching that one? Like if there's a new one coming out? Yeah. Depends on what they do with it. Because Godfather 4, if they do this, could be, you know, 30 years later, some new Corleone is sitting at the head of the family that we've never met before with only a vague connection to the first three. And if that's the case, yeah, you probably go in blind. But if they're doing Vincent Mancini's story, then you probably want to watch Godfather 3 so you know who that is. And if you want to know who that is in that movie, you have to watch Godfather 1. And if you're going to watch Godfather 1 and Godfather 3, you might as well watch Godfather 2. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that's how that's how I would recommend tackling the Godfather. Uh, that is all for the rewind. So, you said you had not seen Krampus before we did this. Uh, no, my brother um, has been wanting me to watch it really bad with him, and uh, I was like critical of that because he usually watches movies that I don't like, like he's really heavily interested in action and I don't really, I'm not drawn to those. I'm usually drawn to mindfuck movies and like (laughs) (laughs) movies that make you think. Um, And then occasionally he'll watch horror movies. Like he likes, he likes it and like newer horror movies. I'm, he has not watched like any old ones. So um, yeah, I was a little critical. So um it's funny because before you mentioned this movie to me, you, uh, he asked me again. And it's because, you know, Christmas is coming. So, uh, yeah. So I was like, hmm, why not? And I wasn't doing anything that night. So we watched it and it was really enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> it is enjoyable. It's, it's cool how it's kind of half family drama and half hardcore horror movie. And um, my only gripe with it is that I think this would have been way better if it had been rated R. I think mm-hmm. it, it doesn't go quite far enough. Mm-hmm. Like I want, I know it's going to sound bad, but I wanted to see Krampus fuck this family up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. why we're all here <laughs> to see the demon of Christmas get this family for not believing. And while he does kind of do that, I feel like he's kind of light. He's kind of light on them. Mm-hmm. Uh but maybe that's the point. Maybe it's supposed to be, you know, did you learn your lesson? I don't know. Yeah, um, uh, I was expecting it to be rated R because, I don't know, a horror Christmas movie, you would think they would go really far with it. So I was thinking, is it rated R? And he's like, no, it's PG-13. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> See what happens. I have kind of a gripe with PG-13 horror movies. I feel like it's, it's like you're half-assing it. Like you, you don't really want to make a horror movie. You want to make a thriller. Yeah. And I mean, if you're going to do something like this, go, go for it. You know what I mean? Like make your mark, (laughs) do some fucked up dark shit, make an R rated Christmas movie, do it. But yeah, it's not really up to them. It's up to the studio. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I do really appreciate all the effort they put into it though. Even so they put so much effort into the design of the characters and everything. There are some eerie moments. They're like when Beth is walking through the snow and she just sees this thing on a roof. I mean, that was, that was scary. 
Yeah, I I think I like the way to int they introduced Krampus by doing that. That was really cool. And just like, it's kind of like a saying he's like Santa, but he's creepier. And like, so it's, it's letting you know what Krampus is and, and then like kind of relating it to the opposite of Santa. <laughs> yeah, it's not a very widely known legend. I thought it was, but it's not a lot of people really have heard of Krampus, especially in the States, it's more of a European thing. And um, like I had first heard of Krampus in an episode of American Dad <laughs> where he like his Stan and Steve like find out like somebody I think like his dad locked Krampus away in a magic box or something and they let him out and he tries to take over the world or something it was a very weird episode but that was the first time I'd ever heard of Krampus and I thought it was a joke they made up for the show but then when this movie came out I'm like oh there's a legend and I looked into it and I'm like whoa this is dark <laughs> and mm -hmm. yeah here we are mm -hmm. <laughs> so Krampus was developed written and directed by Michael Doherty Longtime Philgasm fans may recognize him as the writer-director of Trick or Treat, which we did in October 2019. Great little-known horror anthology movie. Uh, Doherty also directed Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and he wrote X-Men 2, Superman Returns, and is currently developing a Hellraiser TV series. But who knows where that's at, considering the news about Barker getting the rights back. But Doherty is a very interesting choice. He's a cool cool developer he has kind of he mastered a really good halloween horror movie and i feel like he wanted to do that with krampus but he got kind of forced into the pg-13 stuff with the studio because mm. trick-or-treat is a hard r <laughs> yeah uh i've never seen that like i think hearing all those i think this is the first movie i've watched of his because um Godzilla, that was a newer one, the newest one that came out, right? Yeah, yeah I saw glimpses of that movie, and it looked pretty pretty cool. Um, did you see that movie? I did. That was awesome. I'm a, I'm a big <laughs> Godzilla fan, and I was looking forward to that. And I don't know if I, I, I guess I, I think I talked about this with Austin. I don't think I talked about this with you, but I went to see it by myself. And uh, I was, it was at Draft House, where we all used to work, and I was there alone and I, the server was uh, somebody I knew and he was like, Oh, Connor, how you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm seeing Godzilla. That's how I'm doing. He's like, Oh, you're going to love this. And I'm like, good. <laughs> and so I'm sitting in the middle of a crowded theater and it's just like huge spectacle, giant monsters, like beautiful visual effects. And I was so impressed and it was very much a Godzilla movie for the fans. And of course, Michael Doherty's the guy behind that. This dude is a fan. You can tell this is a guy who loves movies and wants to make, movies for people like him and i'm all for that mm. x-men 2 is maybe the best one <laughs> so yeah but superman returns is shit but i don't blame him <laughs> <laughs> and he would have i think he would have done a decent job with a hellraiser show we never seen any of the x-men movies i think me being on this i'm gonna be saying that a lot i'm gonna be saying i've never seen this i've never seen this it's probably gonna like <laughs> You're going to be like, ah. <laughs> well, this is, it is interesting to have that, you know, dynamic here where I've seen a lot and you haven't seen much. But basically, I'm using this as kind of a project because I'm going to turn you into a film buff. <laughs> <laughs> Does the transforming begin? And it starts with Krampus. But yeah, this is the best <laughs> movie to start with because I was not expecting it to be that that like good i was thinking oh it's gonna be shitty <laughs> but, <laughs> i don't know because whenever you're not uh, like a horror fan you expect horror movies to be shitty so like <laughs> you're like <laughs> damn next time you stab me in the heart use a sharper blade so i'll die no but i'm starting to appreciate <laughs> it more and more like ever since i first saw hereditary i'm like this is art where have i been this whole time and I think so many other people are in the same boat as me. I personally think horror is the most creative genre of film because you can do anything. There are no restrictions with horror. You can go as dark, as light, as funny, as weird, as scary, as whatever you want. Totally up to you. There is no boundary with horror. Every movie is different. So 
I think a lot of genres don't have that. A lot of genres are very restrictive, but with horror, because so many people look down on it, nobody's really paying attention. So you can do anything. It's fantastic. There's thousands of movies out there that represent just so much creativity and horror deserves to be known. It deserves to be recognized as a legitimate genre of film. And we've tried to, to shine a spotlight on that with, you know, over a hundred episodes now. And uh, we're going to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really thankful. I'm, my eyes are opening now <laughs> after all this time, it took so long, but it's, it's happening. That's what matters. Oh yeah. I was, you know, I've been into horror pretty much my whole life. It's just like, at first, you know, when I was a young kid, I was terrified. Cause I was like, I don't want to be scared. Mm-hmm. And uh, the movies that scared me like legit, weren't even horror movies. I got freaked the fuck out by a sci-fi comedy in 2001. Long-time listeners will know exactly what I'm talking about. I brought that story up a few times. But um, <laughs> real horror movies, you know, I I think being introduc- introduced to them at an early age has kind of given me like a wall where it's not that easy to get for me to get scared by these anymore. Certain moments will sometimes break through that wall, but a movie has not torn down that wall since I think Hereditary. So I'm always looking for something that's going to freak me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in this movie, it didn't freak me out. But like, <laughs> I mean, there were some scenes I was like, ah! <laughs> um, yeah, we'll talk about that, though. Yes, indeed. So let's talk a bit about the cast. We have MJ Anthony as Max, the poor kid who gets his Christmas spirit shattered and summons hell on earth by accident. Uh, some of his other film roles include Chef, Insurgent, the 2016 Jungle Book, Bad Moms, and Replicas. And he's he's got a few notable notable roles, nothing really that significant. This is kind of his first like leading thing, and he does a decent job. I think Max is pretty good. Um, I saw him uh, <laughs> in Bad Moms Christmas. <laughs> I um, I had never seen Bad Moms before, and I heard that one was better, or, or so I heard. Um, yeah, he wasn't, he didn't really have a big role in that movie. So seeing him in this role as like the main character was cool. And I think he did great. Yeah, I think so too. Oscar nominee, Tony Collette plays Sarah, Max's high strung mom. Collette was nominated for her performance in 1999's The Sixth Sense. And she's a highly talented and underrated actress who comes up a lot on both of our podcasts. Hereditary remains one of the finest horror films of the 2010s, and that's a lot, like, very much due to her incredible performance. And her turn in Little Miss Sunshine, one of our past Oscar Sunday episodes, was absolutely hysterical. So she can literally do it all. Some of her other notable films include About a Boy, Muriel's Wedding, The Hours, the 2011 Fright Night remake, and Knives Out. She's a powerhouse, straight up. One of my favorite actresses. Mm-hmm. I've seen her in Knives Out and Hereditary, and I have owned Sixth Sense for the longest time, never seen it, Uh, but um, she's done great in everything I've seen her in, so. Do you you know anything about The Sixth Sense? Like, do you know about the twist? No, I don't. Wow, really? (laughs) Yes, I'm like a, I'm completely blind to horror, it's awful. (laughs) <laughs> that is amazing. All right. The Sixth Sense has like maybe the biggest plot twist in movie history and it's become kind of iconic because of that. You not knowing that is amazing. <laughs> I, you're going to be surprised by that. That's unbelievable. That's like, oh, I'm, I'm excited to hear w- when you watch The Sixth Sense. <laughs> wow. I'm That's surprised unreal. my family even has a horror movie in the collection because they're so Christian. Like, but I guess maybe this this movie, do, they don't mind this movie for some reason. <laughs> the Sixth Sense is a very, uh, it's more of a drama than a horror movie. It deals with ghosts, but it really is more about a, a young kid just trying to cope. And uh, the child psychologist kind of helps him along. But the kid, his problem is he can see ghosts. He sees dead people, but he doesn't know why. And the movie kind of, leads you to find out like why does he have this gift mm-hmm. but the big twist is like so crazy and so it blew people's minds in 1999 to become like synonymous with the idea of a plot twist and i thought everybody even who hadn't seen that movie just knew about that 
this is this is wild like you're gonna be maybe the first person in 20 years to go into that movie blind that's really cool uh well i mean if that's the case and maybe there's so many other things i don't know too (laughs) maybe yeah this is gonna be interesting (laughs) moving on adam scott plays tom max's sort of wimpy father Scott is mostly known for his role as well-meaning government employee Ben Wyatt on Parks and Recreation. Some of his notable films include Step Brothers, Piranha 3D, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, Hot Tub Time Machine 2, and Black Mass. And he's great. Adam Scott, I just, I like him a lot. I was a big Parks and Rec fan, and Ben Wyatt was just funny as hell. <laughs> and um, Yeah, he's, he's really good in this. I've seen him in The Good Place, uh, that TV show on Netflix. He's pretty funny. Um, Yeah, he's pretty badass in this movie. He's like the big guy. The guy's like taking care of everybody. (laughs) One of my favorite moments is when after he saves Howard and they're like boarding up the house and Howard's just like, hey, Tom, I just want to apologize for thinking you were such a spineless dick all these years. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> uh, fantastic. I loved Adam Scott and Step Brothers. He was such a dick, such a just complete horrible person. He was Will he played Will Farrell's brother or yeah, Will Farrell's brother and he's this like rich dude with a Mercedes van and the like family who's all in, you know, special clubs and they're singing a cappella on the way on the way there and he's <laughs> such a success and Will Farrell's such a failure. And there, yeah, it, was, it was just great. Step Brothers is hilarious. I can definitely see him playing the prick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got that kind of face. Yeah. <laughs> Very punchable. Uh, we have David Keckner as Uncle Howard, the typical redneck uncle we never like to hang out with. Uh, Keckner is another underrated comedic performer, mostly known for his role as sportscaster champ in both Anchorman movies. He's also appeared in such films as Get Smart, Thank You for Smoking, Balls of Fury, Snakes on a Plane, and he played loudmouth asshole Todd Packer in 15 episodes of The Office. I love David Koechner. That dude, every time he pops up in a movie, is the funniest motherfucker in that movie. And he never gets credit for it. He's always like just so underrated. And uh, he's great as Uncle Howard. I wouldn't have cast anybody else. Why do you think he's underrated? Because he's always like the, he's always playing next to bigger comedic actors like Will Ferrell or Steve Carell or Paul Rudd. He's never the, the main guy and he could do it. He has the chops to be the main guy, but he never is. Hmm. And I just, I think that's why. Yeah, I can see that. There was, uh, I was watching an interview and he seems really likable. He said like in the interview that this movie is basically horror heart and humor it has three h h words in this movie and that defines the movie (laughs) (laughs) horror heart and humor i like that (laughs) allison tolman plays aunt linda sarah's sister and howard's wife believe it or not and we did not plan this tolman played lucy in the gift the first episode we did together (laughs) weird weird coincidence (laughs) oh she was what (laughs) yeah the friend the neighbor (laughs) <laughs> oh my god that's right <laughs> why didn't i notice that till now <laughs> yeah i didn't notice it till i was going through the imdb page <laughs> crazy um tolman is notable for her performance as molly solverson on the first season of fx's fargo which she received a golden globe nomination for and i really liked the first season of fargo it was a cool cool show two and three weren't, weren't bad I haven't watched four yet. I watched the first couple episodes and I couldn't get into it. Maybe one day, but season one was gold. Um, Krampus has an IMDb score of 6.2. Rotten Tomatoes score of 66%. Grossed a little over 61 million on a budget of 15 million. So not a huge hit. It's well on its way to becoming a cult classic if it hasn't already. I think this movie has an audience for sure. And while not being hugely successful, it did make its money back with, you know, a little bit of interest. So, Horror tends to be like that. If it's not a huge hit, it tends to at least make its money back. Mm-hmm. And Krampus, yeah, people like this. There's there's people to watch this for sure. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, let's talk a bit about the movie. So this is a bonkers movie. From the opening credits alone, we are very much in, you know, we we understand this is not your average traditional Christmas movie. (laughs) The way they open with Black Friday is hilarious. That was brilliant. Just like showing everyone fighting. It's like a huge foreshadow to the whole thing. Like it was perfect. The music behind everyone was awesome. (laughs) The two employees tasing the two guys on the floor with like the biggest smiles on their face. People just like hitting each other with toys. It's, oh my God. (laughs) Have you ever experienced that? Like been to Black Friday and it was like that? Absolutely not. I am no, uh uh-uh. I'm not risking my life for half off a TV at Walmart. I'm not, not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to go just to see what it's like because I have never experienced that before. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's not worth it if it's like, I would just wait till everyone's done going to the mall. Every, every year there's stories about people who got, you know, who fell in the crowd, got trampled to death people who, you know, got arrested for attacking somebody over, you know, a Tickle Me Elmo or some shit. So it's just, it's crazy that we, and this is a pretty sure is just a a U.S. thing. I don't think this is a global tradition. Mm -hmm. And the movie really shows you that Christmas has become such a monster in itself that so many people have abandoned the idea of Christmas spirit because it's become so commercialized. We become so obsessed with what are we going to buy as opposed to what do we, you know, what do we have already? Like Christmas is supposed to be, you know, I know I'm sounding a little preachy here, but I don't care. Christmas don't is care. supposed to be <laughs> the time where we come together and appreciate what we have, you know? And I think this year, like more than ever before, we should be thankful for what we managed to keep in this, you know, nightmare. I mean, it's crazy that Christmas has become, I mean, we're celebrating Christmas, you know, almost as early as, you know, mid-October now. That's when the, de- the decorations start coming up. It's fucking crazy. I know. And very few movies deal with that. And I like that Krampus shined a light on that. We are celebrating the wrong parts of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you do that, Krampus shows up and fucks up your shit. So we got to, you know, we got to do the right thing here. <laughs> yeah. I like when the, they first, um, the family first, like they go through the door and then the aunt, she's like, where's the nog? Like, <laughs> like you're not there for family. <laughs> you're, you're just there to be there. Like so many families are like that. They're just there to be there. <laughs> she's the worst. Where's the nog? <laughs> There's so many weird lines in this movie. Like when, um, when they all first arrive and Tom's like, wasn't there another child? <laughs> And they're like, oh shit, Chrissy. And they go outside to get the baby. Oh my god, yeah. Just that line. Wasn't there another child? It's such a weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Um, so when we first do meet these people, we get the feeling that there's already a lot of family friction, that this is a family that, you know, you've got Sarah and Tom who are successful, have a happy home. And then you've got Linda and Howard who are kind of a mess. <laughs> They're just, you know, coping. And uh, they just keep taking, you know, taking shots at Sarah's house and her Christmas decorations. And they brought their, you know, bitchy aunt, Aunt Dorothy, <laughs> without telling Sarah. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've been there where we just have like surprise guests at Christmas because somebody brought somebody and didn't say anything. And we all just have to smile and nod because nobody wants to ruin Christmas. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. It's like, like sometimes I just wish it was simple. Like, but my family is so huge. And like this year, obviously it's going to be different, but like before it's always really busy and it's like, it feels stressful. And my family is always stressed about presents and like, my my brothers are always like what I get you know like they they don't really care about everything else and like it's making me tired of presents yeah. as I get older I don't want to throw shade because I don't know who in my family listens to this show but here we go um <laughs> one of my 
I've got, you know, a lot of cousins. I'm an only child, but I have a lot of cousins and we all, you know, I'm the oldest. So this guy, you know, he's still young, but they're given, you know, Christmas lists out. And it's always like, you know, I want the next, like this level of, you know, the newest technology, the $1,500 laptop, the $600 PlayStation five, the, and I'm just like, dude, like, this is not the time to just throw out your parents' bank account. Like this is, you know, it's, I feel awkward making a Christmas list now, you know, I haven't done that in like six, seven years. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't like telling people what, yeah. I don't like telling people, you know, you, you should buy me this. It just feels weird. It feels wrong. Yeah. And then when you don't do that on the flip side, people give you things you don't want. Like, I mean, like, or things you don't need. Like every year, my aunt, she would buy me body lotion. I literally have a hundred different body lotions in my bathroom right now. (laughs) I'm sorry, aunt, but like, I don't, some things you just don't need. And sometimes I feel like all this stuff I'm getting, I really don't need it. Like you could have just given me a hug or a kiss and I've been happy, you know? I know. I had some relative, I have some relatives who uh, make their own soap. And I used to get a lot of soap <laughs> around Christmas and it's nice. It's thoughtful and it's very creative, but it, I, I'm not going to wash myself with like oatmeal. It just, doesn't, it's not right. And like it, it, a shaving cream. And like, I think, I hope not, but I, I could have sworn there was toothpaste, but I'm not, you know, I, I appreciate the thought, but I'm not going to use that. And you always feel guilty when you don't use like you don't appreciate a gift. It's, I don't know. It's, I don't know what my point is, but I'm sure there's some, I'm sure there's one in there somewhere. Yeah. We're just kind of complaining, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Well, back to the movie. <laughs> we see this, you know, divide between this, these two families who have to kind of sit there Max is, you know, feeling like Christmas is not what it used to be. And I think we've all been there where we have this moment where we're like, Christmas is different now. And that's a sad place to be when you when you become too old to appreciate Christmas. And I hope I'm not there yet, but I feel like I'm close. <laughs> like to where you're just like, you don't feel like celebrating it or yeah there's a point where i'm like can we just move this along like everything's too crazy the same music the same movies and like sometimes you just have a moment where you're like oh it's too much yeah like i think it would be cool if you know we get a new holiday like instead of christmas like we we like develop a new holiday and then you know alternate holidays and then life wouldn't be the same every year. <laughs> you you wouldn't happen to be a Seinfeld fan, would you? Uh, no. Because that happened on Seinfeld. It was it's become kind of a, a famous pop culture thing. This one guy, uh, George, his father cre- got tired of the commercial commercialization of Christmas, so he created his own holiday that you celebrate on December twenty third called Festivus. <laughs> <laughs> And there's no tree. There's an aluminum pole. <laughs> and you have to, you celebrate by performing the feats of strength in which you fight somebody in your family and try to pin them. <laughs> and it ends with you all sitting around a, a table and airing grievances. You basically say, like, I have these problems with you. <laughs> and that's Festivus. <laughs> well, like, wouldn't that help solve problems? Like, if family issues, like hey, like, can you stop locking me out of the bathroom? Like, <laughs> and they're like, or, I don't know. <laughs> Isn't it, it's a comedy, right? Yes, it did not go over like that in the show. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was, remember, yeah. I, I don't celebrate Festivus, but I do, like, you know, send friends, like, happy Festivus, you know, shit on December 23rd. <laughs> so if you get a happy oh. Festivus thing, You'll know why. Okay, yeah. I've never gotten that before. But. <laughs> um, one line that I thought was, I kind of, that kind of summed up the movie was when 
Omi is making Christmas cookies at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And Tom turns to her and says, mom, don't work too hard. Sarah bought a bunch of cookies at the store. And she just kind of gives it Tom the stink eye. Like there is no, <laughs> you can't compare grandma's cookies to Walmart's cookies. There is no, that's not even a contest. And anybody who appreciates Christmas would know that. Yeah. I love, that's the best thing. It's just doing like doing it from scratch. Like that's what I did with my grandma every year was just make it with her. So like, yeah. Why would you go to the store? <sighs> that's the question. And uh, I'm sure Krampus was tuned into this family way before Max tore up the letter. I think he was waiting for like, you know, one, like, give me a reason. And that was the reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know why this made me laugh, but it was when the family first gets there and the, um, the two twins walk in and they're already like pissed. And Linda says, don't mind them. They're just a little cranky because the Steelers lost. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 made me laugh. <laughs> Beautiful. No, it's maybe because they're just like so fixated on. I don't know. <laughs> that reminds me. That reminds me of my uncle and my cousins because they're basically like that, except they're they're guys. It's ba that's those characters are literally like my aunt, uncle, and cousins. <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh or I don't know. Cool. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't have, well, no, I do. I have, I have some extended family. That's all I'll say. Cause again, I don't know who in my family listens to this and I don't want to start some shit. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, like, <laughs> yeah, I want to say some stuff like, but I don't know if I should. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my my family, uh, my aunt, uncle, they're rep Republican, heavily Republican, Trump supporters, and they're like football players. Like my cousin, my two cousins, are football players, and um, they go hunting. You know, all that stuff. It just reminded me of them. Thankfully, in my family and extended family, like we don't have any Trump supporters. Thank God, I didn't have to cut anybody off. <laughs> Very happy about that. So Beth goes a wandering the next morning after Max throws up his, uh, tears up his uh, letter to Santa. And the letter was so heartfelt. It was very much like, you know, I want my family back. Oh. And they, yeah, they kicked his ass for that. And I mean, after everything he goes through there, it's kind of hard not to see why he would be disillusioned with Christmas. And uh, yeah, tearing up that letter sent Krampus to go take care of business and I thought it kind of unfair that Krampus didn't just attack his house. He attacked his entire neighborhood. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Maybe he was like looking for other families or was it just his doing? He killed everybody. <laughs> like he, the house, every house was empty. I mean, I'm sure well, not all of those families hated Christmas. I think there were some, you know, some believers in there. But it's true. Oh my God. Yeah, that is weird. Why would. <laughs> They were just trying to make it scarier that, you know, the other houses were ruined. Well, you know, maybe the sadistic Christmas demon who murders children doesn't have a lot of rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Beth goes walking and she runs into Krampus. And it is a freaky scene where you first see this thing just perched on a housetop. And it looks freaky. I mean, it's like eight feet tall, giant horns hooves, dark demonic face. I mean, well done on the design for this thing. Yeah. And I love, it was weird. It's like, and then it's back was hunched all the way. And like, <laughs> that's, that's evil. That's Christmas evil right there. And uh, it gets Beth. We don't really see how it gets Beth, but we, it gets Beth. And uh, when they decide to go looking for Beth, they mentioned like, could she be at somebody else's house? And they, rattle off like this family's in Honolulu this family's you know doesn't talk to us since Max's noodle incident like, <laughs> what, what does that mean <laughs> yeah I was wondering what that was about <laughs> <laughs> and uh the whole time I'm thinking about like the whole time I watch this movie and by the end of it I am thinking like 
in a way, Krampus did bring this family together. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like if you're stuck in a situation where you have to get through something hard, people usually come together, no matter you know what the event is. I think my the scariest part was when for me it was when Beth was being like when she was under the car and uh the the freaking um music box was playing (laughs) it's just the the fact that it's a children's toy just makes it creepier and like (laughs) I think that was the clown wasn't it because the clown comes out of it so yeah yeah like did that turn into the bigger clown yeah that's what i'm thinking i never made that connection because that thing was my scariest scene the giant jack-in-the-box worm that eats the twins <laughs> yeah like um for me like when it was coming out of the box when beth was under the car and you can like you can barely see what its face looks like and you can kind of tell it looks like a clown that's oh uh, my god <laughs> so yeah i think that thing like grew or something I know we were supposed to be scared by this scene, but I couldn't help laughing my ass off when they lured that dumb kid with the cookie on a hook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that was funny. That was... The kid just walks up and is like, starts eating this cookie. Like, doesn't question anything. This is the dumbest kid. (laughs) And we just, yeah, they, they snatch him up through the chimney. That just made me laugh. (laughs) yeah that was funny what did you think of the animation in the flashback when omi's telling the story of the first time she encountered krampus that was brilliant i think it should have been an animation to tell the backstory like um i think yeah there was nothing off-putting about the fact that it was animation for me um that happens a lot in other movies, I think, too. Like they like in Kill Bill when they put the animation sequence in there. I like when they do that. It kind of shows extra art. It's become kind of a you know a neat way to show a flashback, and you do get to experiment with all sorts of different uh, animation mediums. Sometimes it's anime style. Sometimes it's you know claymation. Sometimes it's CGI. Sometimes it's puppetry. They kind of just go all over the place with it, and I, I like that. We see basically we see Krampus rip this family apart one by one using his various goons and they do start, you know, fighting back. The family fights back. I love when Howard's going at the cookies with the shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool to see this family band together and uh, they don't seem too broken up about their kids. I mean, nobody really reacts to that one. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that was just me, but they didn't seem too broken up about, you know, Howie flying up the chimney. I mean, they had a moment where they're like, my kid, but that they got over that pretty fast. <laughs> I mean, that, that was probably their least favorite kid anyway. <laughs> like, he didn't say anything. He was just there. Like, he's like, what do you wish for this Christmas? What do you want? What do you want from Santa? Nothing. The mouth breather <laughs> just staring sure. at you. He was for sure the accident child. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, boy. Do you ever see the movie Bad Santa? No, I have not. It's another really ridiculous. It's a, a 2003 Christmas comedy about this con man who dresses up as Santa to rob malls around Christmas time. And um, he <laughs> he befriends this weirdo kid who looked exactly like that kid. <laughs> Couldn't have been the same kid because the movies were made 12 years apart. But <laughs> that kid, like, there's a certain look the kids in the movie Bad Santa, his name was Thurman Merman. And um, you remember that? that? <laughs> it's a funny movie and it's a memorable name because they made a big joke out of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's yeah. a scene in that movie where uh, Willie, I think his name was, the Bad Santa, he gets really drunk one night and rips open the kid's advent calendar and eats all the chocolate. <laughs> then the next morning he feels bad about it. So he tapes it together with various, like, he puts Tic Tacs and Advil in the calendar it was it was really funny kid, the kid opens the door and he's got a friggin' advil and he's like this isn't candy he's like sure it is <laughs> anyway this Dumb kid reminds kid. me of the guy from uh charlie and the chocolate factory the guy's 
eating all the ch- the chocolate from the the chocolate waterfall and then he gets sucked up there and then they're like oh my god this is him because he was sucked up the tube and then in this movie he's sucked up the chimney so it's like these, these fat kids they just want to be sucked up into things <laughs> I, I i had not thought about that but yeah he does he is a lot like augustus gloop the god <laughs> it's fantastic Willy Wonka, the original, was one of my all-time favorite movies. And uh, it's funny, when you look at the, the fat kid in the 70s, is not that fat compared to the fat kid in 2005, who's like 300 pounds. Wow. What the... 70s fat kid looked like just a normal kid. <laughs> hey, McDonald's, what have you done? Uh, so after Krampus takes this family out, they all like who's left tries to run and uh, something in the snow just keeps grabbing them. And that was creepy because we never see what that was. Mm, And uh, eventually it's just Max. And when Omi like stays behind, I was hoping she would like try to stab Krampus or something. She just like watched. I was hoping she would try to take him out. But. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be like a showdown because she's like, "Oh, she's gonna face him," and she's just like, "Hey," and then <laughs> he's like, "He's like, hey, I'm gonna take you." And she's like, "Okay." <laughs> so with everyone gone, Max is like, you know, shit, this is my fault. I gotta fix this. So he goes up to Krampus and says, like, "Hey, asshole, give me back my family. I take the wish back." And Krampus looks at him like, hmm, like he almost like he's considering the offer and i love those teases because krampus does not have a change of heart and he's just like look at this kid to his other (laughs) people like who does he think he is (laughs) it's hilarious yeah and then the ending is pretty crazy because max wakes up on christmas day and everyone's having christmas downstairs and he's like oh my god it was a weird dream but then he opens his present and it's the the little Krampus bell that he got for being Krampus's last sur- like survivor. And I love the look on everyone's face as they look at the bell and they realize, oh shit, that really happened. Mm-hmm. And, and then it pans out and they're in, they're stuck in a snow globe. <laughs> yeah, it's like they they thought it was a bad dream, but they all woke up and they they resumed their lives thinking, oh, it's just a dream. And then they're like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. I love when they pan out. And there's thousands of snow gloves. So many families over centuries that Krampus has destroyed because they didn't believe in Christmas anymore. <laughs> I feel like that should be every family. <laughs> every family today should be in a snow globe. Oh my God. Maybe we are. We don't know that. We don't know we're not. Yeah. <laughs> we are. That would be wild. You like the end of your life you realize like your soul goes up and you just see that like earth was a snow globe the whole time yeah i th- th- these people were, were so creative with the story yeah. from beginning to end knowing my luck like it would be a snow globe in like an airport gift shop that nobody's ever gonna buy because it's like 30 bucks <laughs> that's freaking sad <laughs> <laughs> that's freaking <sad. laughs> um personally i thought i thought of a neater ending that i thought would have been kind of cool i mean it would have been really sappy and really campy and goofy and kind of stupid but i think it would have made me smile is at the end when max goes up to krampus and says like you know i take it back give me back my family i believe Maybe he would have tried to attack Max, but then we would have seen a bright light. And who would have come down but Santa Claus? <laughs> to save Max and stop Krampus. What if they had a fight, like a showdown yes. at the end? Yes. Santa grabs like a giant candy cane and just whoops Krampus's ass and there's like a big old fight. Okay, that <laughs> sounds fucking ridiculous, but I would have watched it. Well, it would have fit. I mean, the movie's already crazy anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, I would have watched that. <laughs> like, I'm so tired of... Okay, don't... Santa's great, but, like, I'm so tired of all the Santa movies. I like to see more Krampus movies because 
like I like to one day be like oh this is my favorite Krampus movie because I already have a favorite Santa movie Polar Express but yeah <laughs> you know what I'm tired of I'm I'm tired of the Hallmark like woman in red man in green the Christmas holiday you know bullshit movies where she's a strong independent woman who doesn't need a man but she finds one anyway and he's like but I love you and she's like yeah but but I can't and he's like but you can because it's Christmas and <laughs> it's the same movie they do like seven of them every two weeks in December I, I hate that whole genre of movie <laughs> yeah understandable Ugh. that's why I like Christmas horror movies because there's like only like five there's so few of these and there needs to be more. Mm-hmm. And I would like them to stop remaking Black Christmas and do something new. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> like give us that rated R Krampus movie. Yeah, do something. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, you know, ideas out there for a cool horror movie based around Christmas, as we saw with Krampus and Black Christmas and even Gremlins to some extent not that big a fan of that movie, but I appreciate what it was trying to do. So it is possible and I'd like to see more of it. Mm-hmm. Here are some filmgasm facts. Number one, hidden among the various snow globes at the end is the house from Psycho and director um, Michael Doherty's own house. Oh my God, that's cool. Yeah, that's neat. Number two, the film was originally set to release on November 25th, 2015, but was pushed back to December 4th to coincide with the Krampusnacht, a traditional Austrian festival held on December 5th that celebrates Krampus coming to punish naughty children. So they, they held this movie until the actual night that Krampus is celebrated in Germanic culture. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and also... It's coming uh, in two days from this recording. So oh, shit. Yeah. That is going to be <laughs> in two days. We're recording this a bit early on Thursday, December 3rd. And yeah, in two days is Krampus knocked. So <laughs> neat. we're going to have to get our goat masks. And, you know, I don't actually know what the hell you do on Krampus. I just know there's a goat involved. <laughs> um, so, like, apparently um, Krampus knocked. Uh, people dress up as him and back in the day it used to get kind of bad because some people would actually go to houses as him but they would like try to do things at the houses and it would apparently got violent and that's not good Um, but another thing is children put out their shoes um, on December 5th right and then they they either get something good in their shoes the next day on St. Nicholas Day or they get um, something bad. Yeah. <laughs> I would be, mm, I, I'm, too for, I'm too scared to celebrate Krampus Knocked because I don't want to invite that monster into my life in any capacity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy. Yeah, my family isn't even, they're not big on Santa because they don't like to quote-unquote tell lies to kids and like <laughs> so they, they never taught us that wow <laughs> that's the saddest thing i've ever heard <laughs> my lord <sighs> my family went out of their way to make us think there was a santa claus Damn. and i was an idiot kid because what i did was one year uh santa came to our house and was handed gifts out and i was like he left and then I went out to get a drink or something and I walked into the garage to see my grandpa taking off a Santa suit (laughs) and I did not connect I said pop-up you missed Santa Claus he was just here (laughs) (laughs) yeah so my family tried to keep the magic alive as long as possible that's interesting uh yeah so my mom didn't, but I didn't, like, my dad would be like, what are you going to ask for Santa this year? 
And because my mom didn't tell me it, he was real, I was like, what do you mean? Like, you know, I was, I was kind of confused. Should I believe or shouldn't I believe? And that's why, that's what led me to not believing at all. It was just the fact that there was confusion. Damn. I saw a, um, a, tw a Twitter post a, a few weeks ago that said, it's time for us all to admit that the Polar Express is not a very good movie. I don't care what anyone says. And somebody else tweeted at them, if you can't hear the bells ringing anymore, just say so. <laughs> that is awesome. And that made me think of that. <laughs> that is so awesome. I can't uh, hear the bells ring anymore, but <laughs> I still love that movie to death. I can still hear the bells, but it's faint. It's, oh. it's going away, but I, I can still hear it and I'm doing everything I can to keep it alive. <laughs> Oh, that well, that's depressing. Uh, number three, <laughs> the movie's ambiguous ending has spawned two fan theories. One, that the family is trapped in the snow globe, condemned to repeat Christmas morning for eternity in a twisted version of hell. Or two, they were given a second chance, and the snow globe is Krampus's way of watching over them. Hmm. Hmm. Although writer-director Michael Doherty has refused to confirm which theory is true, the tie-in comic book, Shadow of St. Nicholas, confirms that the happy ending is the true one. The comic has murdered characters resurrected without any hint of a twist, showing that Krampus is willing to give people a second chance, as long as they prove they've learned their lesson. That's nice. Uh, well, yeah, but he's a... He's a deep, uh, like a devil, so I don't think he would be that nice. <laughs> so I feel like it's the it's the version of hell part. Like the snow globe is a hell. You know what I like to think, which would make things very weird. I think Krampus is Santa Claus, and this is what he's like every day except Christmas Eve. Oh my god! That this is Krampus is Santa, like you know, he's like his Batman suit trying to scare the shit out of people who don't believe. And when they do prove, when they do prove to him that they can, they can believe that they are willing to try again, he puts them in a snow globe, gives them a second chance and just watches over them to make sure they don't fuck up again. <laughs> yeah. That, that's actually, I like to believe. I mean, I can see that he's also the devil. He's good and bad. Maybe. Um, so yeah. Unlike his grandmother, Max was brave enough to confront Krampus, prove he'd learned his lesson, which is why Max had his family return and Omi did not. So I don't know. I think there's some credence to this. I'd like to think that, you know, Krampus is willing to, you know, he has a moment where he's like, well, it's Christmas. <laughs> so why not? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. You have a kind heart. <laughs> I try. Uh, I give Krampus an eight. It's enjoyable, bizarre, somewhat heartfelt at times. I think it could have benefited from an R rating, but what we got was pretty good. Okay, so my turn. Hmm. This is hard because you can rate it as a Christmas movie or just as a movie in general, right? Um, so I'm going to give it a seven okay. because I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and man, after hearing it, after hearing you give it an A, I'm like, should I? <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm just gonna say it was enjoyable. It didn't like blow me away, but yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. So to close out the show, I thought we'd look into the mythical origins of Krampus, talk about where this all came from. Uh, and what I found is from smithsonianmagazine.com from the article, The Origin of Krampus, Europe's Evil Twist on Santa. So let's talk about Krampus and what the hell this thing is. Quote, Krampus himself historically comes around the night of December 5th, tagging along with St. Nicholas. He visits houses all night with his saintly pal, while St. Nick is on hand to put candy in the shoes of good kids and birch twigs in the shoes of the bad. Krampus's particular specialty is punishing naughty children. Legend has it that throughout the Christmas season, misbehaved kids are beaten with birch branches or can disappear, stuffed into Krampus's sack and hauled off to his lair, to be tortured or eaten. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's a broad spectrum of holiday tradition right there. Mm -hmm. You've got Santa Claus giving treats and 
you know, twigs to kids, and then you got Krampus eating children. Good Lord, there's no happy medium for, for the Germans, is there? <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like the fact that they're talking about, they're trying to bring in the bad side too, like, because U.S. is so heavily interested in Santa and it's like okay but what's what's a history and then this kind of gives us some history of you know there's Saint Nicholas and then there's Krampus yeah yeah I mean we're just you know if you're a bad kid you get you get coal oh that's you know that's it in Germany it's like you better be good or Krampus is going to beat you to death <laughs> Jesus Christ I, I I don't think there's any misbehaved kids in Germany if they believe this shit Oh my God. So Krampus's roots have very little to do with Christmas. Instead, they date back to pre-Germanic paganism. His name originates with the German Krampen, which means claw. And tradition has it that he is the son of the Norse god of the underworld, hell. So he is literally the devil's son. <laughs> that's that's Krampus. <laughs> so does that make like Santa or St. Nicholas an angel? Or is this just like separate stories, I guess? Santa Claus is Jesus Christ's awesome brother. Oh, there you okay. Go. I pulled that out of absolutely nowhere. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to back that up. I always, uh, I like this comedian. He does one-liners. And one of my favorite jokes of his was, what does Jesus do for Santa Claus on his birthday? I don't know. Nothing. I, I hope he does something. I mean, Santa goes all out on Jesus's birthday. So during the 12th century, the Catholic Church attempted to banish Krampus celebrations because of his resemblance to the devil. I love that the Catholic Church can just go somewhere and be like, "Well, we don't like that anymore, so you can't worship it ever. And if you do, we're gonna we're gonna kill you." Like that arrogance has got to feel good <laughs> to have that like. I am the best and fuck you. <laughs> Just accept what everyone else wants to believe in. It's not like they're going to kill you. <laughs> so more eradication attempts followed in 1934 at the hands of Austria's conservative Christian social party. None of it held. Krampus emerged as a much feared and beloved holiday force. So despite centuries of trying to destroy this thing, Krampus lives on, which is pretty cool. Of well, all the good. traditions to last forever, it had to be this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it's here still. Like We wouldn't have this movie if it wasn't. That's true. For some, the annual festival of child hunting Krampus is fun. But uh, concerns that refugees in the Alpine towns that celebrate Krampus could find the tradition frightful has prompted some towns to consider taming the horror. This year... Krampus's scheduled arrival in the Alpine towns that celebrate him coincides with an influx of refugees from Syria and Afghanistan. And this article was written in 2015, like right around right the time the movie came out. Though the festival is well-loved, it gave rise to concerns that the new neighbors might be scared of the tradition and its nightmare-fueling costumes. Yeah, if I was coming from a different country that had never even you know, celebrated Christmas, and I see people walking around in goat demon costumes saying they're going to eat my kids... Yeah, that would freak me out. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But it's almost like Halloween, sort of. Yeah, kind of. It's like Christmas Halloween. Yeah. Uh, rather than canceling the parade, town officials decided to educate the newcomers. They were <laughs> refugee children were invited to a presentation where they learned about the props, costumes, and customs of Krampus. So instead of canceling their, an their annual demon goat night they decided to tell people, well, this is why we do it, and this is how you can play. It's kind of cute, but also probably would have been easier and in better taste to just not do it that year. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Krampus. He's a pre-Germanic -German demon, son of the Norse underworld god, and he ain't going away anytime soon. <laughs> He's the coolest character ever that I've discovered. Um, like, recently... I, after watching the movie, I um, went online to look at some artists that drew him. And it's really cool because everyone has a different uh, 
take on what he looks like. It's really cool. Are you going to try your hand at drawing yeah, Krampus? I am. <laughs> I was thinking about it and I, I probably am. I'm probably going to sketch him out. And I really like the fact that he has like a long tongue. That makes him fucking scary. And <laughs> I'm impressed right on. That'll be, that'll be fun. You got to let me see that when you're done with it. That is all for today, folks. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. If you like this podcast, you want to see it grow, feel free to donate anything you'd like to the podcast. Every little bit goes right back into the show and allows us to make the show better. If you would like to donate, head to the Filmgasm podcast page on whatever your podcast platform is. Click on support this podcast in the description. Thank you very much for checking us out. Julie, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Happy Krampusnacht. <laughs> Happy Krampusnacht, all you weirdos out there. Uh, next week, Austin goes back in the second chair to dig into another unconventional Christmas classic. It's Christmas in Gotham City, and sleazy politician Max Shrek is trying to make a play to steal the mayoral election. His candidate, the twisted, sadistic Penguin, who has recently emerged from Gotham's sewers with plans to steal the firstborn children of Gotham's elite. And to make matters worse, insecure secretary Selena Kyle has transformed into the sexualized, psychotic Catwoman and she wants Max dead. Only the Dark Knight himself can stop these monsters from terrorizing the good people of Gotham in the 1992 superhero epic Batman Returns. Can't wait for that. It's going to be a blast. Sneak preview coming January 4th. Mark your calendars. And this Christmas, don't lose faith in Santa. Otherwise, you may just bring down the wrath of Krampus. See you next Wednesday.